The Reluctant Hero by Nishadi Ranasinghe. My silver lining takes the form of a letter to my older sister, known affectionately in our family as Sungi. She's the lead consultant anaesthetist at a hospital in North London. Recently, anaesthetists were redeployed to intensive care to help with the management of the sickest patients in the hospital. Her hospital has been one of the worst hit over the last few months. She's the oldest in our family, the primary breadwinner at home, and a mum to a five and three-year-old little girl and boy. In this piece, I'll also refer to Amma, mother, and Tata, father, words used in the Sinhalese language we use at home. Dear Sungi, do you remember that old wardrobe that Amma got as a wedding gift from her father? When she talks about it, her eyes light up as she describes the different compartments he designed for her. The rotating part where she can store her saris, the hidden drawer to store her jewellery. It now sits pride of place in her bedroom in Sri Lanka, a lasting token of her hero. It was during a recent trip and in pursuit of the wonder that is this wardrobe that in one of the compartments I came upon a bunch of old letters. Written in English and in unmistakable doctor's script, I soon realised that they were letters written from Tartha to Amma, dated around 1981. It was the year that he'd first moved to the UK for his studies, leaving behind his wife and newborn baby, you. He wrote of the cold, miserable weather and the deafening silence of his solitary life. He said he missed home and asked after his little girl, saying that even the sound of your crying would bring him immense joy. Such was the depth of his loneliness. They were beautiful. Our family is typically stoic, taking a very such-as-life stance on most things. It struck me how much those letters would have meant to Amma that she kept them safe, in of all places, a compartment in her wedding wardrobe. How reading those precious words, whilst facing the reality of caring for her first child without her partner, would have evoked such a connection that she thought to keep them tucked away so that one day she could remember the love they contained, forever hanging on to that moment in time. It is with that in mind that I thought the best way to commemorate this moment in time, this turning point in our generation's history, would be in a letter. And who better to be the recipient of that letter but you? It was three weeks into the clap for NHS that you were able to witness the event from your own doorstep. Having spent every week before at work, Isla grabbed her pot and beat it gleefully at the front door. At five years old, the joy of that moment being she could make as much noise as possible with no repercussions. Little did she realise the person she should be banging loudest for was right behind her. Or that whilst every person spent every Thursday standing in the street or on balconies clapping and honking for you and your colleagues, your response remained, I don't feel like a hero. Your dedication to your calling as a doctor meant that in that moment, the feeling was puzzlement. A, but I'm only doing my job, feeling. That made me think, what shape does a hero take? Is it the doctor changing wearily into her assigned personal protective equipment in the hospital changing room? Her back aching after four consecutive days of shifts she's had to cover after being informed that her staff are slowly succumbing to exposure to a silent enemy. Trying to listen intently through her fatigue 
as she is briefed on new treatment methods and learnings from fellow colleagues in far-off lands, knowing that if she mishears or makes a mistake today, it could mean that someone's life is taken, who assists her team as they gently turn people, rasping for breath, onto their front to give their lungs some much-needed respite so that maybe they'll be able to heal enough to pull through, who can only watch as humanity's deepest fear of dying alone without the soft warmth of a hand held by a loved one manifests into a reality. Or who takes a moment in her car, four hours at the end of an eight-hour shift, heavy with the knowledge that there will be a few more empty beds tomorrow. Is it the mother who eagerly rushes into the shower to wash off the toxins she carries on her clothes to limit the spread to her own lifeblood sleeping soundly in their beds? Who resolves to get up in time for breakfast to hear her children's jabbering tales about their days spent without her? Who patiently listens as her son explains why it's important for him to have banoffee pie after finishing his meal? Who decides that her days off will be hers and her children will never know the sorrow she has seen? and who makes it a mission to show them that while she's present and able, they will never find themselves alone in their greatest time of need. She is here, she is fine, she is ready to play. Is it the daughter who stifles a cough while reassuring her worried mother that there's enough PPE forming a barrier between her and her patients, that no, not many of her colleagues are sick? whilst knowing that one of her team members is in intensive care. That yes, although her husband is showing symptoms, they don't need help, and it's more important for her elderly parents to keep themselves safe. Or the sister, who finds the time on a precious day off to dance on a family quarantine birthday video. Or who listens intently to the problems in everyone else's lives, health, work, or isolation drama that's unfolding daily who offers sage advice but shares none of her own trauma, who knowing how much her children are missing their grandparents, decides to drive by their house to ensure some way, somehow, a family so used to being together will stay together while forced apart. Is it the woman whose time is not her own, who spends her days watching, worrying, reassuring, helping? She accepts that her own time to rest recoup and recharge is limited by duty. I wonder if, years from now, when we're all sitting around the Christmas table, the conversation will turn to that time in 2020. We'll laugh about the online workouts, the isolation birthdays, the drive-by visits. We'll reminisce about when we stayed inside and protected our elders. And maybe then, when it's part of our past, you'll be able to bring yourself to share some of what you have seen and how you have felt. You and I have a very sisterly relationship. We're so different. We have different views, perspectives and sometimes values. Yet our sense of where we come from keeps us inextricably linked. We say things that affect us more than anyone else because we're reflections of each other. I want to take pause to tell you that I'm deeply proud of you the way you have reacted. No fanfare, no need for reassurance, just taking each day as a challenge and carrying on. I feel blessed that I don't need to cast my eyes too far to find strength, courage and resilience. 
I'll forever look up to who you are. And as this time becomes part of our memories, and we remember what happened when Isla and Kanan were little, rest assured I'll tell them of their mummy, the hero. A beacon in our family of enduring light, love and care. An example of taking on responsibility and being a calm and empathetic leader in a crisis. Who knows, maybe one day, in the deepest recesses of an antique wardrobe, they'll find this letter and they'll read it for themselves. I think our favourite Superman, Christopher Reeve, said it best. A hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. A hero to me is not someone who dons a cape and has a superpower. It's someone who doesn't and still makes it their job to help anyone they can. So, to my sister, be well and take stock. Your strength is superhuman. Your courage is your superpower, and every day in my eyes you don your cape and you fly. It's okay to not feel like a hero. I don't think true heroes ever do. With deep gratitude for all you do, and all the love in my heart. Nish.